Morning, folks. How are you doing? Awesome. Good to be with you again. Um, uh, everyone's dark over here. Everybody's in the light over here. So I guess everybody needs to get saved over here, and you guys are already in the light. That's cool. It's all good. Hey, you know what? I, I just want to... Um... Oh, there we go. Oh, you are saved. Awesome. <laughs> I just want to, uh, before, before we begin, we're going to look at... Um, uh, the title of my message, it's uh, Living a Questionable Life, and, and I hope that I can, I hope that we'll be able to get through it. But I need to, I need to just say a couple of things, and, and I'm so glad, Mary Lee, that you said this. Um, you know, folks, the kingdom of God is, 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 about, is about relationships. It's about family, right? And, um, and, and although there are millions upon millions upon millions of Christians that you and I will never meet, the truth of the matter is, and I don't mean to sound cheesy when I say this, but the blood of Jesus is what unites us all. And, um, and relationship is really, really important. It's the basis, it's the foundation, really, for evangelism. And that's sort of the direction that all of my teaching and all of my equipping stuff moves in. That it's the basis for evangelism. Evangelism is not about us just confronting people with the truth. Because Jesus never did that. He never assaulted anyone with truth. But uh, I have to say this, you know, I, again, I want to give, um, give honor and, uh, and thanks. And just, just to let you know that I have enjoyed such a, a, a wonderful relationship with, with uh, Cameron and Kathy. And um, it's hard, to, it's hard to, to, to imagine, but I preached here over, was it 20 years ago? <laughs> You know, it's so strange. We can't really, we, we, all three of us, we can't really sort out exactly what it was. We just knew it was a long time ago. And um, Cameron said, you know, he goes, when I came here last time, he goes, I, I said, Cameron, this is your new building, right? I mean, the last time I was here, we weren't here. He's like, Curtis, we've never left here. We've always been here. So, um, yeah, I just want to say it's just great, you know, having... Having you guys as, as 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 friends for so long, and we haven't really kept in touch that much, but um, but man, it's 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 just it's just wonderful uh, to know you guys, and thank you so much, Kathy. And Cameron's been texting me the last two days, you know, um, and sending me pictures of Brazil, and yeah, he's just so excited about being over there and being able to minister, and it's just really really cool, folks. You know, the ministry is supposed to be uh, energizing, you know. It's not supposed to be dead, dry, and boring. I have a philosophy. If it's not fun, I don't want to do it. Okay, I'm glad three of you agree with me. You know, Jesus said this. He said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I want us to think about that for a moment because it ties right into where we want to go here in the next few minutes. Sometimes we read certain lines in Scripture and it almost becomes like a song in such a way that it's kind of like we don't think about the words anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's human nature, isn't it? We, it just kind of, we just kind of sing song these lines. It's like, um, <laughs> you know, certain songs like, from certain bands like Queen, you know, we are the champions. And you don't really think about the fact that they're actually saying that we're champions. 
you just think about the fact that it's just the way that the song flows, right? And sometimes what we have a tendency to do when we read the Bible, folks, especially those of us who have been in the way for a while, is that the scripture becomes a sing-song. And we don't really stop and pause and smell and drink and taste of what it really means. And you know, the word meditate, is so important we meditate on, on scripture. The word meditate literally denotes a cow chewing and, and, and digesting. And you know, a cow, some of you are farmers, or you know farmers, a cow will digest and bring it back up and then eat it and bring it back up. And that's literally what what it means to meditate, you know, and it's, it's, so, so, so I'm saying that to say this, when Jesus says, come all you who labor, follow after me, learn of me, for I'm gentle and meek in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, I want you to really think about that, here's the, here's the deal, here's the deal, he really means it, and it is a reference point for me, it really is. Because, you know what? I've got to be honest with you. I don't always live my life in such a way that the burden is easy and the yoke is light. That's the way, that's the way it goes, right? Something like that, right? But he really means that. I have lots of friends who are in Christian ministry who are pastors and leaders of churches. And I know a lot of them who have burned out. Yours truly included, <laughs> Um, and, and, I, and I question, God, where do we go wrong? Where do we kind of miss it? Because Jesus, you said that your yoke is easy. And you said your burden is light. So if I'm overburdened about things concerning the kingdom and the things that God is asking me to do or calling me to do, if I'm overburdened and overyoked, I'm, I'm missing it somewhere, right? I, I'm missing it somewhere. It's not him. It's, it's, it's me. Now, folks, evangelism has never been about you and I struggling and feeling guilty and getting all, oh, I know Jesus told me to do this, but I really hate it. it it's, it's never been about that. It's never been about you and I having to step so far out of our comfort zones. And I follow what I'm saying here. Because I don't want this to sound like this is not about sacrifice. Because it is. Christianity is very, very simple. Very simple. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead. And when we believe in him and invite his spirit to live in our inside of us, take up residence in our body, and we are born again, he just wants everything after that. It's very simple. <laughs> it's just not easy, right? So I don't want this to sound as though it's not about sacrifice, because our whole lives are sacrifice. As a matter of fact, we're a living sacrifice, right? We are walking dead people, Right? Holy and acceptable to him, which is our spiritual worship. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to, to be irreverent when I say that. So it's about sacrifice, but it's not about the struggle to please God by virtue of what we do. Are you following me? 
we have been given not a suggestion, not a can you please. Church, we have been given a command by Jesus. And that command is to make disciples of all nations. I want to say this to you. Jesus came into this world for one reason. And that is not so that you and I can sit in glorious buildings, or that man can erect amazing structures with stained glass windows and say that it's to the glory of God. <laughs> no. The reason Jesus came to this world is for one reason, and that's so that you and I can sit here today and say, Jesus, thank you that you've saved me. The reason he came is to reach his children by creation. Every human being on the face of the earth, every single human being on the face of the earth is a child of God by creation. Do you don't believe me? <laughs> well, it's okay. You can be wrong if you want to be. <laughs> Acts chapter 17, where the Apostle Paul is on, you know, the Mars Hill. We're not going to turn there, but he says, as he talks to them, he says that some of your own poets have said, we are God's offspring. And then he says to them, he says, as he's speaking to the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers, and then he says to them, he says, well, if we are God's offspring, then don't think that we are, that God is, is, makes images that we do. So he affirmed the fact that their philosophers were right. That all of creation, every human being is God's child by creation. But we, they are not yet, they are not yet become God's child through the redemptive process of Jesus and what he did on the cross. So, I'm saying to say again, folks, Christianity is not about us living a gloriously wonderful life. Although, that's a wonderful byproduct of knowing Jesus. Jesus came for sinners, for people who don't know him. Why? Because here's the deal. From the beginning of creation, from the beginning of creation, God's plan was that every human being would be intimately acquainted and connected to him. Have you ever wondered, I'm going to be real straight with you, have you ever wondered, God, if you knew that that stupid apple was going to be an issue, <laughs> then why did you put the thing there? And why would you put the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good, why would you put that right in the center of the garden? You ever wonder about that? You want to know why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why would there be a redemptive plan when God is all-knowing, all-seeing, knows exactly what people are going to do and what they have done? It's, it, like, why would you put a plan in place when you could have prevented the nonsense from happening in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. I think one day we will. But I don't know. I do know that it's true. <laughs> that man must be redeemed. All of created order is crying out for its creator. 
Let's just remove ourselves for a minute from the fact that we are born again, God's spirit lives in us. Let's remove ourselves from a minute, for a minute from the fact that we are theologically astute. Let's just look at creation. Creation cries out that God is real. And it also cries out that it's not connected to God anymore. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 1 says this, you know. It says that man is without excuse. Why? Because God's divine qualities, his, his eternal nature, can be clearly seen by the things that have been made. Folks, I want to tell you, God is bigger than church. God is bigger than religion. Christ is bigger than the confines we place around him and call ministry. He is bigger than all of it. So what is our purpose in the grand scheme of things? If the whole of creation speaks of who God is, so that men are without excuse. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There is not one high-minded PhD intellectual who can stand before God and say, I didn't know you were real. You know what he'd say? Well, you're a smart boy. All you had to do was look at creation. So, what's his plan for us in this whole grand scheme of things? Well, it's that Jesus would shine in our lives. Listen, the crux of Christianity is this. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. That's, that's what the whole, this whole foundation, our place in the grand scheme of things is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Do you remember when the Pharisee came to Jesus and said that? You don't? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you about it. There's a Pharisee that came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Okay, let me stop there. How many of you know that Israel couldn't do that? They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Read the book of Galatians. You know why? Because it takes the Spirit of God in you for you to love him with all of your heart. All of the law and all of the Old Testament, I don't know why I'm getting into this, but I think it's important. All of the law and all the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. None of them could fulfill the requirements that were asked of them. Why? Because you need Christ in you to fulfill the law. The law hasn't been abolished. It's, it's you know, it's, it just can't be followed through without Jesus living on the inside of you. So, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your might, right? And then he stopped there, didn't he? No, he didn't. 
he went on to say, and the second is like it. Now, if you asked me, hey, Curtis, where are you from? And I said, I live in a city called Mississauga, which is just outside of Toronto. And then I said, and, and I love to go ice fishing every single year about three hours north of the city. You'd go, I didn't ask you that. Right? How many of you have ever noticed Jesus would always throw people the, the weirdest curveballs all, all the time? Right? This Pharisee comes and says, Jesus, we think you're the greatest thing in the world. You are a superstar. He comes to him by night because he's concerned about his reputation. And Jesus says, listen, I want to tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. What? I don't care. I didn't ask you that. What am I supposed to do? Crawl in my mother's womb again? He, he, was, he, was, he was kind of offended, right? Well, in the same respect, this Pharisee got an earful that he didn't ask for. Because he asked one question and Jesus gave him two, two, two answers. Why? It's because in order for you to love God with all of your heart and soul. And what was the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. In order for you to fulfill the commandment, the resultant effect must be that you love people. Okay. The term and the second is like it literally means this. That you can't have one without the other. So, you ever seen a revolving door? Remember when you were a kid, you'd run through them till you vomited? So you go in one end, right? And then this, the same time you're going in, your friend goes out the other way, and then you turn around, you're like, ah! Like just you know, you just go in and ju- 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 ju. that's what the term means. It's like the it's like opinion. It's like that that hinge. The second is like it. Literally means one doesn't exist without the other. That's why he gave him two answers. So what does that mean to me? For me, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for Curtis Hines? What does this have to do with living a questionable life? What does it mean for for me? It means, it means this. It means that when I love God with everything in me, and you do, that's why we're here, <laughs> and I do, this isn't a hill to climb, folks. You're already there. When we love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, you will not be able to help but love people. You will not be able to help but live a questionable life. You will not be able to help but evangelize the world. You will not be able to help but fulfill the mission of Christ. What is all of this evangelism, preaching, and all of this scary stuff? What's it all about? Well, I want to tell you, it's not scary at all. It's not scary. All right. My wife hates spiders. Hates them. She hates spiders more than she hates Satan. Because she equates spiders with being demonic. I'm telling you the honest truth. I, I, I will be halfway across the house and I'll hear my wife scream and she'll say, Curtis! And I know, I know. There's a spider somewhere. Right? 
Sometimes I run into a room and there's like a big ball of shaving cream in the corner of the room because she'll just cover the spider in shaving cream. She hates them. And, and I'll be like, what's, what's the problem, love? What's wrong? The biggest spider in the world is on the ceiling. I walk in, I'm like, where is it? What? So, you know, I got to kill the spider. And sometimes I squish it and then I throw the paper on her. Okay, that's just me. Um, and, um, and then, you know, she doesn't talk to me for two days. Um, but but uh, that's just the kind of person I am. You know what, though? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. She hates spiders, terrified of them. But I'll tell you, her love for our kids is so strong that I guarantee you that if there was a spider the size of a car that came near our children, God help the spider. Yeah? You know what that's like. You know? You can mess with, mess with me all day long, but don't mess with my family or, you know, I'll kill you and ask God to forgive me. Right? What, what, what am I talking about? What I'm, what I'm talking about, the power, the power of love supersedes fear. Oh, wait, I think the Bible says that. Perfect love drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Why are you and I ever afraid or concerned or put off of evangelism? Because we don't want to be punished. What's the punishment? I've got to step out of my comfort zone and say something to a total stranger. What if they think I'm crazy? Well, they will. But you see, love, when we love the Lord our God, with all of our hearts and soul and strength, what happens? We love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, Curtis, you're talking about this thing in theory, but I am that person that's afraid to share the gospel. Well, you know why? Because what we need to learn to do is to be intentional. Oh, I, I got to make sure to turn this on because I didn't this morning and it was like, oh, it is on. We need to learn to be intentional about pouring that love out to people around us. Everyone say intentional. intentional. The one thing I've noticed about love is it doesn't go from me to you by osmosis. It's kind of like the concept of, you know what, if we go out into the community and we just kind of get people, just, you know, let's just hang out with people. Let's just kind of hang out with them. And we'll rub off on them and they'll smell like us and all of a sudden they'll be worshiping in church. No. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Well, you know, if I just hang out with this gang of kids long enough, you know, and, and I'm just kind of part of the, then they'll call me their friends. No, it doesn't work like that. Relationship is intentional. Listen. Love is not a noun. It's a verb. So here's where we're going to go. I am not saying to you and I that the key for us in reaching our community is by you and I becoming this superhero or standing in a place lifting our hands and the anointing falls on us and all of a sudden we are changed into another person. You know, like, where is the God of Elijah? I'm saying that the gospel, the love of God, is already in you. And we just need to learn how to turn that love on, on purpose. Not by accident, but on purpose, intentionally. When you look at Jesus, when you look at his life in the gospels, 
oh man, what a beautiful picture of being intentional about love. Everybody seeing him with a halo around his head, with his feet off the ground, and everybody seeing him coming up a dirt trail and falling before him under the power of the anointing. Folks, I want to say this to you. What I think a lot of us have done is we have taken the incarnation. What's the incarnation? That the, the beauty and the mystery of God becoming flesh. God becoming, could you listen? God became flesh, folks. He became a man that smelled bad. He, he, he would walk and stub his toe and scream, oh, that hurt. He, God became flesh. But I think sometimes we forget that. This is so important for us to catch this. We forget that. And instead of, instead of us seeing Jesus, the man, the God man, we see Jesus, the magic wand. And we actually turn the incarnation into an incantation. Right? We have, the, we have the, the Jesus stick. What do you mean by that, Curtis? Well, we, we. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what we're presenting to the world. It's not about, you know what, we're going to corner you. And we're going to ask for some ethereal thing to land on you. Right? It's not about that. How do we do this? How do we do this? By living a life that's questionable. What does it mean to live a questionable life? Well, okay, let's, let's turn to some scripture verses so that you don't, I don't get accused of not reading from the Bible. Okay, let me turn this on. Is it on? Okay, what's going on here? Yeah, down is off. That's off. That's on. Oh, you just shocked me. I think it's all that power. Okay, here we go. <laughs> all right. Okay, how do we do this? Listen, we best represent Christ when we live a questionable life. What do I mean by that? Well, when you hear somebody's of questionable character, it's concerning, isn't it? That dude's of questionable character. Well, I tell you what, that's, that's, that's who you and I are. Here's our foundational verse for this. Look at this, folks. Who is going to harm you if you're eager? 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 15. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Look at this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. In my investigation of the New Testament, I want to say this. This is the first place I've ever seen where we are encouraged, where there's an example of us not approaching somebody with the gospel, but waiting for them to ask us. So, what's more difficult? Well, let me rephrase it another way. What's more challenging? It's more challenging for us to say, we, here's how we are going to go out and we are going to share the truth with people. We're going to share the gospel with people. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the good news. Right? Is it more challenging to do that? 
Or to do it that way? Or is it more challenging or more effective to live your life in such a way that people ask you the reason why you believe what you believe? And I want to submit to you that that is. Okay. 95 to 98% of you in this room, from young to the old, did not become a Christian because someone, someone, stranger, preached the gospel to you and you said yes. 95 to 98% of you are in this room because someone lived a questionable life, became your friend, and led you to Jesus. Not the not because they assaulted you with truth, not because they confronted you with truth, but because they lived a life that caused you to be attracted. And you became friends, and they brought you to a meeting, or they led you to Jesus themselves. So how do you know that, Curtis? Because, hey, I just know these things. Because I've done this survey in 25 countries I've traveled to. And in all 25, the percentage is between 95 and 98% of people come to Jesus because someone lived a questionable life and they inquired. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. So Curtis, how do I live in such a way that people ask me? Again, are we talking about being this super spiritual, you know, like, you know, like super duper some sort of anime character that you know that's just like people look at you and they're just gravi- they gravitate towards you I had a friend say to me one of my colleagues who said to me the other day he said Curtis you know what I was sharing some of this with our with our team and 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 he said you know what but you've got a special thing about you you're magnetic and people are attracted to you and you've got an anointing. You know how to do people well and you know how to teach about people and how to do all that. You, say, it, it, you know, and I, I mean, I felt great about myself when he was giving me all those compliments. It was like, wow, who is this guy? Then I thought about it and it was like, actually, no. Listen. To him who has, Jesus said, to him who has, more will be given. And then he says, and to him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I don't like that. I like the more thing. I don't like the other part because it doesn't seem fair. So what are you saying? Because if I don't have any money, even what I have is going to be taken from me? It's not fair. Right? But you know what? When you really think about it, it's an inescapable law of the universe. Here's how we're going to tie this in. I don't have a special gift. I have just asked God to fill my heart with love for people. I do that every day, folks. And guess what? <laughs> That's what he's done. So, the more he gives, gives me is the more he gives me. 
But if I don't intentionally, intentionally give that love to others, guess what happens? Even what I have is taken away from me. That's the engine of evangelism. It's not about, well, it's partly about, like yesterday we spent the whole day kind of, and we looked at how do I share my testimony in two minutes. It was fantastic. It was a great time. Yeah, there's, there, is a, there is a mechanical component to it, but that's not the foundation. The foundation is love. The main engine is love. Okay, so I used to be, well, I still am, I guess. I, I'm, you know, I've been an athlete all my life, played semi-pro football, played um, tennis as a junior. I was ranked as a junior. It's really my sports, tennis. And um, when I played semi-pro football, um, the gym was where you lived. Why? Because if you don't work out, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to increase your muscle mass and your bulk. I was I played middle linebacker. I was much bigger than I am now. Lost like 50 pounds. And if you don't work, your muscles don't grow. You don't increase your strength. And if you don't, what happens? Your muscle, yeah, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be killed on the football field. What happens is your muscles atrophy. It's called atrophy. They atrophy. What does that mean? They shrink. Do you know statistically when men hit 40, from the, I think between the age of 40 to 50, if we don't exercise, we can lose up to 25% of our muscle mass. Even what you have will be taken away from you. But when you exercise, to him who has, more will be given. My dear brothers and sisters, listen. If you and I are not intentionally giving away the love and the grace of God to people, even what we think we have, we're losing. Why, do you, why, is, it that some, why is it that some Christians, man, they start out like white hot, like lava? They're, they're like sharing Jesus with everything that moves. Oh, there's a cat. Preach Jesus to the cat. I mean, like they're just crazy for anybody. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And after a little while, <laughs> after a little while, like, oh, church again. <laughs> Jesus, oh, who is he? Oh, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, I remember him. What? How does that happen? Because we stop giving it away. Everything we have from him must be given away. And if we don't, trust me, you don't park. There's no such thing as a parking spot in the kingdom. Right? There's no such thing. I'm telling you, there's no such thing. You're either going this way or you're going, you're going, you're going backwards. How many of you want to go forwards? Well, it's not rocket surgery. I love that. I love that George Bush guy. It's not rocket science. It's just engaged with the world. Put yourself in a position where you have to pour out what's inside of you. 
my wife said, you know what, love, I really want to start going to the gym. It's like, yep, okay, so, so does half, half the Western world. So here's what we do. Get your gym clothes, put them in the washroom at the end of every night. So when you get up and go into the washroom in the morning, like we all do, you see it and you're like, oh, gosh, there it is. I better go, right? We have to be pragmatic about these things, right? Going to the gym is just a desire. It's a noun. I want to go to the gym. The, the action, the verb is when you go into the washroom and you start putting your, your gym clothes on. Listen, evangelism works exactly the same way. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to put ourselves in a position where what? Where we're going to assault somebody with truth? No, because I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Confrontational evangelism is awesome. But it just doesn't work very well. Right? 95-9% of us did not come to Jesus that way. But we need to put ourselves in a position where the love of God that's in us can flow out of us. And how do we do that? Engage. What do you mean engage? Folks, when we leave here today, because I'm supposed to stop in about 30 seconds. When we leave here today, I want to encourage every single one of you to find one person that is not a Christian and engage with them. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean engage with them? I want you to be approachable on purpose. Okay. Let's start this way. Smile. What a novel idea. You mean smile at a total stranger? Yes. Folks, our world is becoming more and more closed out to one-on-one -on -one personal interaction. Now we're doing it through, you know, our smartphones and, our, and all this stuff. And people are hiding behind selfies and all that stuff. I tell you what, this thing is going to produce something really, really bad in our culture internally, especially that whole internal thing where we're going to begin to feel as though if I have to actually confront somebody and, and actually meet someone in face-to-face, -face, we're not going to know how to navigate that. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's ugly. But anyways, smile. Yeah, smile. Be approachable. Do it on purpose. Oh, I'm hitting the wrong one. <laughs> What's the second one? Be interested in people. Oh my gosh, there isn't a store that I walk into that I don't take an interest in somebody that works in the store. I do it on purpose. I have led more people to Jesus as a result of simply saying hello to somebody. How's it going? Hi, Merle. How's it going? My name's Curtis. Yeah, I'm from Toronto and, you know, I really, really like being here in, in, in uh, the Kalamazoo area. It's really nice, yeah. So I'm looking for a sweater, you know. And just carry on a conversation. What if you think I'm weird? Well, you know, they're going to think you're weird anyways, whether you said anything to them or not. Well, that guy's weird. You know, <laughs> that lady's weird. Yeah? Just engage with people, folks. I'm telling you, engage with people. Let's find the joy... Okay, I'm going to end soon. Let's find the joy 
of the low watermark experiences as opposed to the high watermark experiences. Okay, do you know what I'm referring to? No, you don't, so I'm going to tell you. Or maybe you do. What's a high watermark? Here's a high watermark. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's so great to be here today. My name is Curtis Hines. I'm an international evangelist. I've led thousands upon thousands of people to Christ all over the world. I've seen miracles. As a matter of fact, from the hotel to this church, I led 500 people to Jesus. And I raised the dead three times. And I was in Walmart the other day, and the whole Walmart line, they were all slain in the spirit because of the anointing on my life. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm making fun, but you know what I mean. Guys like us and gals like us stand before you and we share these stories. And you sit there and go, whoa, that ain't me. But you applaud. Oh, yeah, you applaud. As a matter of fact, you applaud. You you put money in the offering. So we've created a professional sports team culture in church where you pay admission to watch us perform. And you live vicariously through us, right? So it's like, yeah, we can all do this. And you all sit there and go, yeah, we can. Is he crazy? Yeah, we can. He's insane. I ain't doing that. Yes, go, Curtis, go. We create these high watermark experiences. So what does that do to us? The resultant effect is we stand up, we leave, we go about our business, and we think about the great story that was shared but we're no better for it because it doesn't equip us to be able to live not in the sweet by and by, but the dirty now and now. It doesn't equip us to go out of here and to live normal life. So what we need to do is this. What I want to encourage you to do is celebrate the ordinary. To him who has, more will be given. But to him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken from him. I want you to celebrate the ordinary. I want you to celebrate among yourselves ordinary things like, I was in the store the other day. You have a store here called, is it Kohl's? I needed a sweater because I'm always cold, right? Like, like, feel my hand. I'm freezing right now. I'm always cold. So I'm like, I'm, I'm in there. It's, 20, it's 24 degrees yesterday, and I'm in Kohl's buying a sweater. And it was on sale. It was like 80% off. So I got a $40 sweater for $8. And um, so I went in with, um, uh, I can't remember, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was. And, and he took me into the, to the store, and, and, uh, and, and I said to the sales, one of the sales girls, I said, I need a sweater. And she, she just kind of went, right? And I was like, I know what you're thinking. And I just used it as an opportunity to engage with her. I said, I know it seems weird, I know. Listen, I, I, I've lo- and I just, I just shared my story. And then she smiled a little bit. You could just see the ice starting to melt. And by the time she actually took me over to, to, to the sweater, she was laughing, and we were just having a great time. And then, then she says, okay, go to the cash. And we went up to the cash, and there was this long line in Kohl's where you're supposed to, like this long aisle, you're supposed to go to, to, to but I, I, I mean, I'm, hey, I'm Canadian, guys, forgive me. So I just walked right up to the, to the thing, and, 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 and the, the guy, one of the cashiers goes, uh, folks, there's a, long, there's a line. 
There's, you have to start at the beginning and come over here. So I just made a joke about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, you want me to walk all the way down there just to turn around? So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I walked all the way down because nobody was in the line. <laughs> I walked all the way down, and then I turned around, and I came all the way back. And we just had so much fun about that. We were, we were, we were just laughing, and what was it? It was engagement. Do do you have to be special to be friendly? Do you have to be special to smile? No. Church, engage with people, man. Because that engagement will lead somewhere. But now, if you and I think we're going to go into Kohl's and we're going to buy a sweater, and the second you see that saleswoman, whoa, here we go. Hello, ma'am. My name is Curtis. Do you know Jesus? Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not, oh, man, I'm going to go on for another hour. I'm not saying that there are not times when we do that. I'm just saying it's not very often. If I were to do that to her, guess what would happen? She'd say no. What do you want? Right? Or she'd say, yeah. And what I say to people is, I say, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? It's a great line to use, folks, I'm telling you. It's a great line. It's not confrontational. It's soft. And if they say no, then it's easy to say, well, the reason I ask is because, forgive me, but I really see God's grace on your life. Right? Isn't that a soft way of doing it? Instead of saying, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, he died on the cross for you and bled every drop of blood out of his body. Like, are you washed in the blood? Well, what? Right? Are you a follower of Jesus? And if they say yes, I'm like, oh, that's great. And if they say no, then I kind of, anyways. So, okay. So, I want to encourage you to do it. So, let me just finish off my points and then we're done. Be interested. Take interest in people, folks. Listen, be friendly. Be friendly on purpose. Be empathic. Be empathetic. What does that mean? What does it mean to be empathic? You know, I watch uh, anime shows with my kids because they force me to, you know. Attack on Titans. I mean, it's just like I'm, I'm addicted to Attack on Titans. It's, do not watch Attack on Titans. It's not for everybody. And, um, and, and, you know, in these anime shows, you get these empaths, you know. They're like, Ooh, you know, and they, uh, you know. But, but it's a, really a thing. It's really a thing. What does it mean to, be, to, have, to have empathy? It's just simple. It's just the ability to stand in the shoes of another person. Oh, dear folks, listen. I want to say this. Let's not go for the high watermark of let's stand. I'd like to pray. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to, um, yeah, to, to do some good stuff, to impart to you. I know we, we need to go now. I'm, I'm sorry for going over time, but just, just lift your hands to the Lord like this. And, um, and uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would, um, would, you would deposit to us. Your word says... Your word says that it is the Holy Spirit that distributes abroad in our hearts the love of God.
Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now that you would impart to us a greater measure of your love. Right now. Lord, I ask that as we leave this place, as we've made the agreement together, that every day we're going to engage the world. Even if we don't say a word about the gospel, but we are going to start somewhere. Lord, we believe that when we do that, you'll give us more. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for having gone seasons without sharing your love with somebody. But Lord, we, we ask you to forgive us, and we ask right now as you impart a greater measure of your love into our lives, let it come, and as we leave this place today, and we intentionally engage with people, Holy Spirit, we ask that through us, by your Spirit, that we would see many, many, many people touched by your love, and many, many, many people becoming followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray for New Day. I pray for all of the campuses. Lord, I pray that there would be an absolute explosion, an explosion of every one of us reaching out in your love to everyone around us, and that you would reward us with the reward that's that's due to your name, that you would receive, Jesus, the reward of your suffering. And we ask you for this in your amazing, amazing name. And while our heads are kind of bowed and eyes closed and hands raised, is there anybody here who'd say, Curtis, you know what? I am not a follower of Jesus, but I want to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. If, if, if that's you, I want you to just wave at me. I want to spend a little bit of time with you and just pray for you that God's spirit would come to live inside of you and you would be born again. Anybody, just wave at me. I'm not a follower of Jesus and I want to be. I can feel it today. Anyone? Okay. So Father, thank you so much for this time. Equip us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, root us in your love. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks.